Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Fourth of July weekend. For the most part, you're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen, and I say for the most part because I don't know technically how it works for everybody out there. I know for me, I get Saturday and Sunday off, so today and tomorrow, but then I work on Monday. I've got to phone it in for a day before I get to go and take the 4th of July off. Now, maybe some of you out there get Monday and Tuesday off as well next week. You are lucky people, and I hope you enjoy your weekend immensely. Anyway, because of the 4th and and all of that that's coming up, I decided that this week on the show, we're going to revisit some of my favorite segments. Over the years, we have done multiple segments that have kind of focused on the 4th of July, and they're some of my favorite segments that we've ever done. And so since I don't get to replay them very often, I decided that that's what I'm going to do today. I've handpicked a number of them. The first one we're going to start with is one that Haley and I did, and it's basically digging into the history of Old Glory. It's a good story. I it really is. like it. But I have a less good story to start Uh-oh. before I go to the good story. The The less good story is just something that I don't even know why I like to talk about these things. But I, I'm so stunned sometimes at how my brain works or fails to work. <laughs> you know this story, so you don't have to act like it's new to you. I took my son out to eat. Oh, this The story. other day. And we had a great time. We're sitting in the restaurant, having a big time, you know, talking. Great time. And as I sat there, I don't know exactly what. I think my belt was rubbing against my stomach. I probably was enjoying my, I had too much food probably. So my belt is rubbing against my stomach. I didn't notice it in the restaurant. I get outside and wow, my stomach itches a little bit. Well, I don't want to itch my stomach in public. You know, I'm not that kind of person, right? I mean, how crazily are you itching your stomach? Well, I wasn't itching it at all at that point. <laughs> I was just walking out thinking about itching, but I'm waiting till I got to the truck to do that. But then lo and behold, the parking lot cleared out in front of me. Nobody was around. I looked to my left. Nobody. I looked straight ahead. Nobody. People behind me aren't going to know what's going on. And the building's to the right. I'm perfect. I'm golden. So I really laid into the scratching and really, you know, because, you know, when you hit that zone, mm-hmm. I hit the zone mm-hmm. and I was going. And as I'm Belly doing, exposed. I look, yes, I look to the right <laughs> again and realized, yes, the building is there, but so is the window. And there's a booth right at the window. And there's two people sitting there staring right back at me. Did you make eye contact? Yes. <laughs> I was so stunned. I just stared at them for a second with my hands on my belly. And then uh, I let my shirt drop back down. And it wasn't way up. But it was way more up than... <laughs> I mean, they pushed their plates away. They were done. Oh no, gosh. that part didn't happen. But oh, I was so embarrassed. I'm never going back. If you're well, those they're people, not going to be that's there true. again. If you're those people, well, now you know who I am. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm sure it was a great meal, and I'm sure that was not the way you wanted to I end it. I think that was just the cherry on top. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, that was my horrible story. Now I have a good story because, like I said, you want to talk about flags. Yes. And I want to talk about what's one of the nicknames that we have. We have the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. Right. Um, And another nickname is Old Glory. Old Glory. And I had no idea where that. I never really thought about it before. No. Where that name came from. But now I know. And I'm going to share it with everybody. So here's the deal. Long ago. I wish I had looked up exactly how long ago. But let's say a while ago. 1800s. All right. Captain William Driver, he's a sea captain 
R. I like his name. Yeah, he's got a great name. Yeah. Captain William Driver receives on his 21st birthday a flag, American flag. He is so thrilled. He unwraps it, pushes the tissue paper aside, a little tear trickles down his cheek. He <laughs> pulls the flag out and just sits there in stunned silence for a second. You know, probably shaking his head slowly from side to side as he's absorbing this moment. Yes. Then he says, R, she's old glory. Right? So he names the flag. Right then and there. In, in a pirate voice. And everybody around claps. And, and, you know, it's just a huge emotional moment, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. We're, we're editorializing on that. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, but picture it that way. Anyway, he takes Old Glory, newly christened Old Glory, and installs her on his ship. And then spends the rest of his career careening over the oceans with Old Glory Flapping along in the breeze right behind. Wow. Everybody I mean, sees this... old, He talks about Old Glory all the time. You see him coming and you sometimes want to turn away. Because you know he's going to tell you all about Old Glory again. But then he catches your eye. You know those people. Yeah. I'm one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he loves Old Glory and flies her on his ship until he retires. I mean, that's a seriously worn out flag at it's, that point. It's pretty tattered. It's actually got an, a very quick, interesting story where when he got it, you know, the, the stars all represent the flag, the states in the Union. Sure. And a new state entered in the interim and he actually added a star to keep it up to date. And he like sewed one in himself? I'm not exactly sure, but yes, he added one in some way or another. Cool. He also added an anchor, which I think was probably a little seems less... like breaking the rules. Yeah, seems like it's not quite perfect flag etiquette, but he added an anchor in the bottom right of the blue field to symbolize his years on the sea. Well, I like the sentiment. Yeah, the sentiment's cool. Yeah. So anyway, he retires and moves to Tennessee, landlocked. Hmm. Not a lot of yeah. not a lot of ocean to careen around on. No. And so he hoists old glory outside of his home on patriotic days and things like that. Brings cool. her out and flies her. Anyway, the Civil War breaks out. Tennessee secedes from the Union. And Old Glory is not quite what she used to be in everybody's eyes down there, except Captain William Driver. So he snags Old Glory, carefully folds her up, according to etiquette, I'm yes. sure, and then hides her in an old quilt that he had. Sews, like sews it, it in? Sews it into a quilt Whoa. and hides it. It's good he did because... Uh, Confederate soldiers came and raided the house several times and were unable to find Old Glory. That's Not sure if they impressive. were looking for Old Glory. Right. But yeah. I like that idea. But they didn't want the quilt. Yeah. Spread out. Find her. Bring her out. <laughs> She's not here. Where's Old Glory? I'm not talking. You know, that kind of thing. Yes. Anyway, they leave him alone. And eventually the Union troops come back in 1862 and everything is freed up. And he breaks out Old Glory. This is my favorite part of the whole story. And we're reaching the epic conclusion. So everybody's edge of the seat, edge closer to the radio, everybody. He breaks out Old Glory and then busts out of his house, running down the street with the flag over his head, all the way to the Capitol. I hope it was close. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Because <laughs> that's a long <laughs> run if it's a ways away. But he runs to the Capitol building, climbs to the top of the dome. So... Yes, I can see Haley's got this look on her face that that's crazy. He's using the steps inside, I'm sure. I'm imagining an old man climbing the Capitol building on the outside, like up. Yeah, like Spider Man. Right. With his flag in his mouth. Let's picture it that way. I think that's better. A great image. This old (laughs) sea captain climbs to the top of the dome and then unfurls old glory 
right there. Everybody around sees. I'm sure there was a lot of clapping. The camera oh, yeah. panned out, went way, way far away. You could see everybody like a fireworks. drone shot. Yeah, fireworks are going off. Confetti. All of those wonderful things. That's the last time Old Glory, that Old Glory, from what I'm reading, was unfurled to the public. Wow. All right? So he brings Old Glory home, cherishes it the rest of his life, and on his deathbed, he bequeaths it to his daughter, tells her to take good care of it. She's been with me all these years. <laughs> and the daughter takes Old Glory. It's a cherished family heirloom, and she keeps it until 1922 when she donates it to the Smithsonian. Wow. And it is still preserved to this day. We can see it. You can look online and see it's tattered, it's faded. They've got you, the little anchor in the corner and everything. You can see the anchor in the corner, wow. the extra added star. That's Old Glory. That's the original Old Glory. And all the other flags that are referred to as that, that's where the story comes from. I had no idea. Look at that. There we go. We're off to a rollicking good start, aren't we? Yeah. Now, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about flag etiquette, how to properly fly your flags and how to, how to dispose, dispose of them. them. Retire them is the nice way to say it. Right. When the time comes. And I promise, Haley, this one's your segment. All right. I will shut up. Okay. <laughs> Not happen, <laughs> but I'll do my best. All right. That's all coming up just ahead. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And man, we are full steam ahead in our Fourth of July extravaganza. It really has been. Yes, yeah, stars and stripes. I've got fireworks going off in here. We are having a big time. <laughs> you should get sparklers. <laughs> no, no. Everything in here, if that now caught on fire. Now this is pretty sealed. <laughs> yeah, we would not be in good shape. We're not doing that. No, we talked about. Basically, an old story from history, put put a little bit of a spin on it, but how the flag got the nickname Old Glory. We mm-hmm. talked about that in the last segment. And now, Haley, you're going to talk about flag etiquette and how to retire a flag respectfully. Right. There's a whole flag code. And I realized that when you were talking earlier and you said the Smithsonian got Old Glory in 1922, mm-hmm. well, flag code was put in writing in 1923. Oh, so the year later. Yeah. I wonder if that's... That's kind of cool connected kind of interesting but yeah we had a lot of traditions around flags forever but it wasn't put into writing until 1923 when the national flag conference was held in washington dc and they did this because the flag represents a living country and so they consider it a living thing right you actually had a quote right and that's literally what it says the flag Mm -hmm. represents a living country and it's is itself considered a living thing Which I kind of love. Yeah, that is interesting. And you didn't just put your spin on it. That's literally the That's literally what they said. Yeah, because you you said, you've always talked since I've known you about how you can't look at uh, stuffed animals in the stores. Well, anything. I mean, I feel bad when I pick things up in stores that I, I feel attached to. Yeah. And I don't actually end up buying because I feel like. Whatever it is has hope of being adopted in that moment. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to a real home. Yeah. And then you put it back and then on the it shelf. back on the shelf. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would feel really bad for stuffed animals because of that. Because I'd pick them up all excited. And then my mom would say no. And then I would Always feel so no. bad for the stuffed animal that I was leaving and not taking home with me. So, so you can really relate to this concept. Yeah. I'm not alone. Other people, you know. Yeah. I mean, Old Glory, that wouldn't have had a name if he wasn't right, so attached right. he to had it. The so. same concept. Anyways. So they codify all these old traditions into something that will be consistent going forward so that yeah. we can maintain this respect that was so important. Because without doing that, we really run the risk of losing 
some of these traditions or, or moving away from them. And that's a big deal that we want to avoid. So what are some of the rules? Because when you talked about them to me, I was surprised. I, I yeah. thought I knew them. And I don't. I love this because you're such a rule follower. Yeah. And it turned out you've been breaking some rules. I've been breaking a boatload of rules when it comes to flags and how to display them. Yeah. You've been breaking a couple. The first one that we found out that you broke is you were flying the flag when it was raining outside. You were not taking the flag down and bringing it inside. I flew the flag in all types of weather. I didn't realize that in clement weather, I'm supposed to take the flag down from the pole and bring it in. Right. The other one is you were not lighting the flag at night. No, I know. I wasn't doing that either. And I kind of thought about that. I kind of seemed like that was a rule, but I decided I wasn't going to look into it because I didn't want to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I figured I could at least feign ignorance to some extent, but it's got to be brightly lit. Yes. You shouldn't. If it's not, then you've got to bring it inside. Yeah, bring it inside at night. Take it down, fold it up appropriately, Mm -hmm. and bring it inside. Because it's like you're living, you're leaving a living thing out at night, and it's sad, you know, all by itself. Sad. It's afraid of the dark. Mm -hmm. It's cold outside. You're leaving a nightlight for it. Bring the flag in, or put a nightlight on it. (laughs) The other thing is, uh, when you're hanging the flag on a wall Mm -hmm. vertically, not horizontally, not like you're flying it. When it's on a wall, the stars always should be to the left. Of the observer, right? Yes. So if you're looking at the flag, the star field should be to the left. My natural inclination, because you asked me which mm-hmm. way would I do it, I would have hung it the other way with the stars to the right. And I didn't know that, I mean, either way was right or wrong. So Right. There is a wrong way, and that's my way, is again <laughs> the wrong way. If you're displaying a, a flag in your store and you're hanging it vertically or in your home or wherever, the correct way to do it is with the union, the star field, to the left of the observer. Exactly. Another one I think is interesting because I, I don't know, we have all these really patriotic things, especially around the 4th of July, like napkins and plates, all this stuff. But actually, they're saying that you shouldn't put flags on paper napkins, boxes, it shouldn't be on handkerchiefs because then you're blowing your nose into it. Paper plates, you're piling your hamburgers on them. Yeah. None of that's good. A cushion is the other thing that they pointed out. Don't embroider it onto a cushion because then you're, you're sitting, sitting on, on the right. flag. I love this because, yes, it seems nitpicky. Yeah. But it's important. It's a way to reinforce how important this symbol is and what it stands for. And, yeah, I think about all kinds of napkins I've seen. Oh, I yeah. believe they've been covered with flags. Mm-hmm. Always. I mean, and then that's you crumple them up and throw them away. That's all kind bad. Of a classic Fourth of July thing. <laughs> yeah. One last Whoops. thing when it comes to the the flying etiquette or the displaying the flag etiquette, I've always believed that I, I remember that from elementary school that if the flag touches the ground, oh yeah, now it needs to be disposed of properly. You know, burned. Is they would what we always, always say about. that. That's not the case though. No. You said if it touches the ground and it's actually damaged severely. Then you can dispose of it by burning it, which is the correct way. But yeah, if it just grazes the ground, it's not ideal. You know, say you're sorry to the flag, but you don't have to burn it. All right. So let's. Well, move... wait, hold on a minute. This isn't the last one. Oh, we've got one more. 
I forgot one. Yeah, you skipped ahead. Oh, yeah. Go the ahead. Costume. The other one is cool. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to have a flag as part of a costume. And it's not necessarily saying that you can't have the stars and stripes together right. in some other fashion, right? Captain That's America okay. is okay. Yes. <laughs> but literally wearing a flag, it's the same concept of putting the flag on the pillow. You right. could sit on it if your pants are flag pants yes. with a literal flag on them. That's probably not cool. Right. So there, that truly is the last one with displaying the flag that we had. Now yep. let's talk about the flags that have hit retirement age. And they're not going to go to the Smithsonian. They've right. already got one. <laughs> they don't need yours. What are you going to do with them? You mentioned that there are collection places all over the place. Hardware stores. Mm-hmm. The who, who collects those in the end? The American Legion? Yes. So they've got boxes out at hardware stores. They collect them when they're full. And then on June 14th, Flag Day, they have these ceremonies where they actually dispose of the flags appropriately or retire them, as they like to say. And so what happens is they have, you know, everyone inspect the flags, make sure that they're actually, you know, in bad enough condition to do this. Mm -hmm. And then once they've decided that, they fold them in the appropriate way. The chaplain says a prayer. Everyone salutes the flag and then they burn them and they dip them in kerosene so it really burns them. You don't want anything left. Right. You just want ashes. And then as that's happening, a bugler is playing. Yes. Uh, they're playing, playing to the colors. To the colors. So now, it's a big production. It is a big deal. Now, if you want to dispose of your own flag yourself, you can. You can yes. burn the flag yourself. A couple things to keep in mind. Newer flags are made of materials that you might not want to burn. Right. We'll tell you how to deal with that in the end. If you've got a fabric flag that you can burn Mm -hmm. safely, the proper way to do it needs to be adhered to. Otherwise, you're being really, really disrespectful. And we certainly want to clarify what we're talking about is a respectful burning of a retired flag. Yes. It's like a Home funeral. Improvement Show, (laughs) it's respectful. How does it work? So to have your flag funeral. You fold the flag, again, in the appropriate manner in the little triangle, and we can put directions in the show notes. But then you put the flag in the fire, make sure it's totally burned. You know, we just want the ashes there. And while it's burning, you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Once you're done burning it, you have a moment of silence, and then you can bury those ashes. Right. Now, if you're going to bury the flag, you don't want to burn it, you can bury it in a wooden box. You don't want a cheap box. You want a nice box. And you bury it in your yard. Yeah. Now, all right, we're going to put all of that info in the show notes because it is fun to check out and there's a lot that we couldn't get to, but it's enough for now. All right, we're going to take a quick break. West Side listeners, you're going to get news and weather at the bottom of the hour. East Side listeners, you're going to get a Repco Light Rewind. And then when we all get back together again, we'll be talking about the history of Benjamin Franklin. It's a segment that I recorded back in 2020, one of my favorites of all time. I learned so much stuff writing it, researching it, and recording it. And I'm going to share it with you next. That's all just ahead. Stick around. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore on 106.7 Detroit's Wheels. And right now it's time for another Repco Light Rewind, where we check out great segments from past episodes. But this time, we're really not going to do that. We're not going back in time at all. You're getting a brand new segment recorded in our Birmingham store just last week. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And I am on location in our Birmingham location once again with Scott Hudgens, the manager here. Scott? Hello, how are you? Thanks for letting me 
Uh, set up, set up all my stuff in your office one more time. <laughs> That's right. Now it's like we were just here the other day. Well, we were, and you did such a good job. That's the thing. Right. That's the problem. That's, That's the mistake the that you That's, made. I, is you really yeah. did a good job on the other segment. We talked about front doors, and honestly, before we get to the stuff that we want to talk about right now on this segment, Scott, you've got like a touch of a background in radio. Right, you've done yeah. some stuff. Yeah, no, I I spent my uh, my eight grand to go to broadcasting school, and uh, and I'm a manager of, the, of a paint store. So. Now you you <laughs> you were on a radio station for a while. Yeah, like doing like playing music or oh, something. Oh, I was cool. I was like I was like the guy. I was absolutely the DJ. I was the guy that would take the phone calls, and I would, you know, I wanted to be all nice and cool and. And play all that nice music and stuff. Yeah, I had Were a you time nice doing and cool? Uh, Were you like everybody wanted Scott? You know, that was the I guy they wanted so. to listen to. Okay. No. Someday. No, very small station. Okay. But. Well, someday I'm going to be that guy playing the music. That, that's what sounds fun to me. That's right. But instead, I'm the talkie guy. So let's talk about, uh, basically, we're heading into the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, family functions. Super fun stuff. And Scott, something you pitched because you did such a good job. I reached out to you and said, "Hey, you got to come back on. We got to do more stuff. Do you have any ideas?" Yeah. And you came up with this idea. You titled all of your little proposed, <laughs> proposed segments, and I thought that yes. was great. But one of them was something along the lines of, "Where's your phone?" Yes. Well, it's because you know, family, and you know, you get together, and, and everyone's got their face in their phone. Let's let's come up with an idea. Let's get family involved. Let's do those games that everybody seems to play. Uh, you know, you're out in the uh, you're out at the park, and and you're and you're getting ready to watch fireworks later on that night, and and you're eating all this good food, and you know why don't you know yeah, do the cornhole boards? Go ahead and do the ladder ball, you know. And so, I found a, a pretty easy way to create your own instead of spending all the big money at those stores. So. Yeah. So where did you want to go with this topic? It's it's so broad. I'm not. I I know you've got a lot of different areas. You've got paint colors mm-hmm. picked out for like different schools or different um, teams. Yeah. Stuff like that because we want to talk about painting the the, the items, the proper paint to use, and get you some colors so, but where do you want to go with the whole thing to begin with it, it just how easy it is people people think it's going to be this big drawn out thing and it's not to it, do what you know, to build one of these build games? one of these boards you know you got the biggest thing now is the cornhole board and you know you get your little bean bags and and you and you make a board with a hole in it it's really nothing to it and, and why uh, is it called cornhole uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know what? You I seem wish to I be an expert, a man who that. knows. I, I, I should know that, but uh, but unfortunately, okay. I don't. So we don't um, have an answer to that. I should have <laughs> checked ahead of time. I should have did my research. <laughs> it's one of those mysteries that will yeah. just go down. I, I always wonder every time I see that. But anyway, I know what you're talking about the <laughs> yes, cornhole that's game. Right. That's right. Everybody's playing it. Yeah, it's really easy to make. Let's just zip through real quick and say, listen, you know, you get yourself a two foot by four foot piece of plywood. It's really nothing. You can go to any lumber yard and be able to get this. It's already pre-cut you don't even have to do anything with it at least not until you drill the hole in it but and then the the whole bottom side to give you that angle it's it's like pvc pieces and 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 little u clips that that screw into the actual board itself and and it's really easy to make it's going to take you maybe an hour tops to actually manufacture this yourself now we've got notes that you put together that will walk people through yeah the process. Yeah. I will put all of that in the show notes. Yes. So you can download those and check them out. But like you said, super easy. Yeah. So, you know, and, and what about the hole? 
Well, that's the thing. They got to see six inch holes. So you got two different ways to do it. You can either get yourself a hole saw that's six inches if you got to drill at home. Uh, it's 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 really not expensive. Or you can go ahead and you can do one of those things where you, you drill a couple holes once you make the circle and you use a jigsaw. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, you're gonna sand it. You're gonna make it all nice and smooth and everything. But the key is once you actually build that board and you get the angle you need and and literally just putting PVC pieces together and and you know uh, corners and angles. It's it's the painting. It's making it your own at this point and turning it into something, you know, let's go ahead and have that that rivalry that everybody talks about, you know, have one be Ohio State and have the other one be Michigan, sure. you know, go ahead and, and, and have it uh, painted in Detroit Tigers uh, colors, you know, and the good thing about that is you come to like any of the Repco Light stores, of course, but we actually have all the colors of the teams and we have them actually displayed at my store, um, but you can talk to anybody and get these colors we've got a list of those as well that scott's put together and i'm going to put that in the show notes as well so you can find up ai you've got everybody and even even not necessarily i mean i'm i'm a new york giants fan i know that that's probably where in the world does that come from (laughs) it was um i don't know i i liked lawrence taylor back in uh, 1986 and and it just blossomed into into um, I don't know, because because they're not that good of a team, but I just love them. <laughs> it's like you think I I would know with the Lions, but anyway, um, yeah. So it's um it's really easy to do, and when you end up getting the the painting uh, done so, and, and the clear coat on top. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the process of painting. Yeah. We're in the studio. Oh, well, I'm actually not in the studio. <laughs> that is such a force of habit. I'm in your office, yes. Scott, in the yes. in Birmingham, at the Birmingham Repcolite, talking with Scott Hudgens. And you just kind of walked us through a real quick uh, layout of how we build like a cornhole game. That's a cornhole game. Super board, simple. Right. Absolutely. Let's talk about painting it now. Okay. The process. We, we can get you the colors, whatever colors you need. Yeah. We can help you with that. What would so, you go product-wise, step-wise? So, I mean, you want a, you want a good exterior paint. And on top of that, normally I would tell you any of the uh, lines of Benjamin Moore paint that are, are exterior are very durable. But with that being said... It's gonna be a lot of wear and tear on this. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna actually change it up and make it glossy, especially on a cornhole board, and you actually wanna get it to where it slides that beanbag across a little bit, yeah, you're gonna top coat it with a with a clear coat, a nice glossy clear coat, make it all nice and shiny. Um, but other than that, as far as a, it's it's a it's a bare piece of wood, right? So if you want to do it properly, anytime you're painting a bare piece of wood, uh, you wanna use an undercoater of some sort. Uh, Benjamin Moore has a uh, low VOC oil. Uh, that you can use once you prime it in in most cases all these all these primers it it, it doesn't take long for them to dry uh and and once they dry and you you coat it maybe two or three times with a good exterior so regal is always good you know you it's available in quartz you can use aura obviously being top of the line uh you know you got a lot of options there's a new product that uh, benjamin Moore came out with called uh element guard awesome be great for it it's it's not going to be costly um and then you can have all those tinted to the colors of your favorite teams um and at that point whether you want to just paint them just the colors or whether you want to get a little fancy with it and start putting uh you know uh, little insignias and, and and things on it as well uh but that's something that when you bring those out it just you can't say no to that. I mean, everyone wants to play those games, so get off your phone at your family functions and let's go ahead and play some cornhole. Now, there's other games that we could build. I mean, we've got other things that you've put together that we'll put in the notes, but you've got 
the ladder ball thing. Ladder ball, yep. That's always kind of fun too. Whipping a yeah. little ball on the on the ropes around. And and it's I mean that's it, good for you know slowing down burglars or people trying to escape right. too, right? That's right. Yes. But you it's can like also a, play a game with it. Yeah. Um. It's it's again it's um it's something that uh it, literally you can use PVC pipe and put it together. And in most cases, when you go to any of these places, that you get you know a. a <laughs> Anybody, you know, any plumbing supply place, uh, you can get, you know, all these pre-cut sections of PVC, and then you get yourself a couple T's, you get yourself a couple, uh, a couple uh, angles, a couple elbows, a couple couplings, and you can literally put this together in no time. And, I've and made all my furniture this way. <laughs> it really does work. PVC, it, is, it, it, does it does everything. everything. But yeah, perfect for this. Yeah, and really, there's not a lot of painting that needs to be done on that. No, one. I mean you can if you want to, and and you know at that point, you know you get a product that is uh, like our command product, Benjamin Moore's command product, is a self priming even on PVC. So you can actually use that product to paint it, whether you do it colors uh, you know of your teams or whether you just do red white and blue for you know july 4th or whatever so so i mean it's it's not difficult i think they use uh easy thing to do is to use a uh, uh, golf balls everybody's got a bunch of old used golf balls around and and they want you to do like a three-eighths hole that you drill through it and that's where the rope goes through you tie a knot and there's your there's your little ladder ball you know tether and and it's really easy and and you're ready to go so super cool super yeah, fun quick. a way to get off the phones, right? Way I mean, I, I know phones. I got the, we, I got kids. I catch myself doing the same thing. Clued into sure. the phone, walking around hunched over like that. Put them down, have a little bit of fun. That's right. It's a great weekend for it. Yes. And that'll do it for this week's Repcolite Rewind. If you want to check out other full episodes, just head to repcolite.com and click the On the Radio tab on the homepage. That's R-E-P-C-O. L-I-T-E.com. All right, it's time to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be discussing Benjamin Franklin, the man, the myth, the swimming legend. I'm not joking about that. Stay tuned. Well, hopefully everybody out there is having a great start to your 4th of July weekend. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And this week, we're doing a best of. We're looking back on all of the segments that we've played over the years that are built around some of our 4th of July-themed segments throughout the years. And right now, let's get to a history of Benjamin Franklin. Of all of the founding fathers, and for me, the revolution, you know, all of the history around the Revolutionary War has always been some of my favorite history. You know, the characters are so vivid so bigger than life. George Washington, John Adams, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, all of those people were just it's so monumentally important and, and the brains that they had, the, 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 the foresight to see, you know, to have this vision of what, the, what a country could be and then the ability to work for that, to sacrifice for that, to fight for that, and then to craft that vision and basically lay the groundwork for what we have today that's just really stunning. The whole thing is stunning to explore and study. And Benjamin Franklin, amongst all of those giants, has always been one that, for me, is bigger than all of them. You know, in my mind, he always stood out above all of them just because of everything the guy did. So Benjamin Franklin, he's described by a noted historian, Perry Miller, as the most massively symbolic figure in American history. 
Now, we've all heard of them, like I said. We know something about them usually. Almost all of us do. But here's a quick refresher on, on the whole scope of his life. He was born in Boston in 1706. We always associate Philadelphia with Benjamin Franklin, but he was actually born in Boston. He was the 15th, the 15th of 17 children. 15th of 17 children. His father made candles and soap. And of all of the crafts or the trades at the time, that was one of the lowliest of them all. Benjamin Franklin actually apprenticed under his father for a while. Not very long, but a little bit. Now, one other note before we move on to some of his accomplishments. He was born in in an age where the, the firstborn son was a big deal. You know, that was the son who had the way paved ahead for him a little bit. And Benjamin Franklin noted in his autobiography that he was the youngest son of the youngest son, five generations running. So not just the youngest son, but five generations back, the youngest son of the youngest son. So if anybody had the deck stacked against him a little bit, maybe we could say Franklin did. Now, he started with little formal education. He started school when he was eight, and he ended it when he was 10. So that was the limit of his formal education, two years. He was an avid reader, and he taught himself to be a writer. When he was 12, he quit with his father, you know, working in the candle and soap making business, and he transitioned to working with his brother as a printer. At age 16, Franklin starts contributing essays to his brother's newspaper, but he's using a pseudonym, you know, a pen name. He's writing as Silence Do Good, which if you've watched the National Treasure movies, at least the first one with Nicolas Cage, you should be aware of Silence Do Good because that those letters play into unraveling whatever mystery they were trying to unravel. Anyway, Franklin really did write these letters, and his pen name was Silence Do Good. And what makes it really funny is that Silence Do Good was actually a middle-aged woman that Franklin created. So you've got this 16-year-old kid writing with the voice, let's say, of a six or of a, of a middle-aged woman. Hilarious stuff, really, when you think about it. It's starting to show his humor and his wit already at that point. Now, it's not long after that that he opens up his own printing shop in Philadelphia, and then he eventually goes on to publish what became one of his more famous publications, Poor Richard's Almanac. Now, Franklin was constantly working to improve himself and his adopted city of Philadelphia, where he had settled. He launched a lending library. He worked to establish a hospital and a college. He worked to create pensions. He built institutions for the mentally disabled. He did all of those things, working to better himself and his community. He was also, as most of us are aware, a scientist and inventor. You know, we know about the experiments with the kite to prove that lightning is electricity. You know, there were maybe safer ways that that had been done in the past, but he really, really jumped in with both feet when he threw a kite up into there. He invented lightning rods to prevent fires and all of that. He charted the Gulf Stream. He invented the Franklin stove. He invented bifocals. And this was kind of interesting. He invented a musical instrument called the glass harmonica. And basically what it was is he had noticed how people would use glasses, glassware at parties or at events, at dinners to make sounds. You know, you put your wet your finger and run it around the, the rim of the glass and it makes a sound. Well, Franklin created this device that's basically a whole bunch of different sized glassware. And that's what you would do. It would crank and then you'd use your finger on different pieces and it would create different sounds. It sounds really fun and interesting 
when you first listen to it. And after about five minutes of listening to it, you've got a pounding headache. So I don't know that it had a long life ahead of it. And in fact, it turns out it really didn't. But one interesting thing is that Beethoven and Mozart actually wrote music for this invention, this instrument that Franklin invented. So there you go. There's something interesting. Finally, besides being a, a philanthropist and, and somebody bettering himself in society and being an inventor, Franklin, of course, was a founding father. We, know, we all know that. In fact, that's probably what most of us think of when we think of Benjamin Franklin. He spent a lot of his later years in London as a representative of the Pennsylvania Assembly. He came back to Philadelphia when the revolution started, and he was part of the five-member committee that helped draft the Declaration of Independence. Later, he was sent to France to enlist their help in the war against England, and he also helped negotiate the Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War. So the man was there through all of it. Finally, even at the end, he becomes a delegate to the Constitutional Convention and is actually there when the Constitution is drafted and signed. Now, some last unusual facts before we wrap this one up and then go to another segment where we'll talk about some of his quotes and how they apply to home improvement. So one unusual fact that, that completely caught me off guard and I thought was kind of hilarious when I thought about it. Benjamin Franklin was inducted into the International Swimming Hall of Fame in 1968. Did you know that? I bet you didn't, because I picture Benjamin Franklin as, oh, how's the best way to say it? Well, I guess I don't picture him as the athletic type. I guess I could say that, nor the tan type. So I picture him swimming and just a lot of pastiness and just a lot of it, if you understand what I'm saying. So to picture him floundering through the waves is basically how I would picture it, floundering through the waves. But apparently the man was an astute swimmer. He was known as a tremendous swimmer. He swam the Thames River performing, and this is a quote in, from, his, from the page of the International Swimming Hall of Fame where they describe his induction into that. They quoted that he swam the Thames River, quote, performing on the way many feats of activity, both upon and under the water, that surprised, and here's the key word, and pleased those to whom they were novelties. So while I might have found great pleasure in laughing and enjoying Benjamin Franklin as I picture him floundering through the water, the actual reality was he was like a dolphin zipping through the waves with skill tantamount to Aquaman. So he's in the Hall of Fame for swimming. Who'd have thought? He also was the only person to have signed all four key documents establishing the U.S., the Declaration of Independence, the Treaty of the Alliance with France, the Treaty of Paris establishing peace with Great Britain, and the U.S. Constitution, the only one to have signed all four of those. Another thing that's interesting is he embraced the abolition of slavery way ahead of ever, almost everybody else. He was president of the first abolition organization, the Philadelphia Abolition Society, and he was the first person to petition Congress to abolish slavery in 1790. When he died, the French National Assembly declared a day of mourning, and he's been called the only president of the United States who was never president of the United States. He's a remarkable historical figure, a remarkable human being, really. He's certainly flawed. You know, there were plenty of stories of how flawed Benjamin Franklin was, but he's utterly inspiring and remarkable. And because of that, he's really worth listening to, which brings us to some of his witty sayings and how they apply to home improvement, which we'll get to after a break. 
Stick around. Let's get to the Benjamin Franklin quotes about home improvement. And before I get to the first one, I just want to mention that there's an article that I found that gave me this idea. And while all the quotes were different from the ones I'm going to talk about, it was still the idea that got me going. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. The first quote, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. Learning takes involvement, right? It takes hands-on. We can watch a million things or listen to a million things, and we don't learn. We don't technically learn until we jump in and do it. How many times haven't you jumped into something that you've watched or read about, and then you find all the little details, all the little things that you didn't expect or that the video didn't show you, or you you couldn't see it from a certain angle, and as you're working with it, all of a sudden things that you were unclear about in the video make perfect sense. It's because you're learning now. There, you're getting a concept. Here, you're actually doing it and you're learning. How does that apply to us? It's really, really basic. In order to learn anything, you've got to jump in and do it. Watching a video on YouTube about how to do whatever it is is only going to take you so far. You've got to jump in and actually get your hands dirty and try the process. And when I talk about that, I think instantly about home repair services in Grand Rapids. We are so lucky to have an organization like that in our area because if you're unfamiliar with them, they've been on the show a number of times, what they do, their whole goal, their whole mission is to create homeowners who are better homeowners, who know how to handle whatever comes up in their homes. They've got all kinds of, amongst a million other things that they do, they've got classes that they run, free classes every Saturday. Now, with COVID, I'm not sure exactly what's playing out with that. Check check their website out for a schedule and see how they're handling those things. But in normal circumstances, they've got hands-on classes every single Saturday. We've talked about it before. They're free. You can go and learn how to repair drywall. You can learn how to do electrical work. You can go and learn how to do plumbing. You can learn how to install ceramic tile. And you do all of these things by actually doing them. You use your hands. You use the right tools. When you go home, you can repair those things at your home because you've done them. Check out those classes if you bring a friend in to help you with something sometimes because that friend knows how to do whatever it is. Stick around. Help them. Don't just be the tool getter. You know, the gopher, Dad always called it. Be there to actually get your hands dirty. Start the process because then you'll learn and you can do the thing yourself. It's the whole give a friend a fish, teach somebody to fish thing. What about our kids? Huge here. It's absolutely huge. It's so easy to, and it's so tempting and it's so natural to want to yank the tools out of our kids' hands. You know, a lot of us as parents or grandparents want to have our kids help us on a project, right? So we put the tools in their hands and then we watch them. And then we yank the tools back out of their hands because they're never going to get the project done. It's going to take till next week, Sunday, before they finally got that screw in. And yet, if we constantly do that, they're not learning. They're not being involved. So let them be a part of it. Involving is where they learn. And it's so important for kids to start picking up these skills because we've got generations now that we've created that don't have some of these skills. And it's a little bit scary. The trades have dropped off. If we get our kids involved and they see the satisfaction of repairing and fixing and doing the work, who knows what happens with the trades? And it all starts with us at home. Let them be involved. Let them help with the decorating. They can do it. Let them help with the painting. That sounds scary, but I've had my kids help me and I've been stunned. You know, I started with some simple projects that it didn't matter too much if they messed it up too badly. You know, as long as they didn't go crazy, we'd be okay. And I was blown away at how well they did with just some instruction and some help. And 
from that point on, they were able to tackle some other things on their own. Now, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe that's not where you're comfortable. But let them start working. Let them get involved because that's where they're going to learn. Second quote, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. Again, so basic here. But preparation is part of the work. A lot of people, a lot of us, think about preparation as an optional step. It's not. It's a necessary step. Just as painting your cabinets requires you to actually apply paint as a finished step, that's not an optional step. Neither is washing and doing the scuff sanding or applying the right primer. Those aren't optional steps. You know, if you don't do them, You are setting yourself up for failure down the road. You're not saving time. You're saving time in this one instance, but down the road, you're going to deal with a problem. And when the problem happens, it's a very big thing to fix because the foundation is poor. In order to fix the foundation, you've got to get everything off to get back to that foundation. So do it right the first time. But it's not just surface prep that we're talking about. It's also gathering the right tools, preparing for a project in that regard, gathering the right items. I don't know how many projects I've started on a whim because I had a little bit of time and I just all of a sudden had this desire to get this project done. You know, I was just this driving need to accomplish it. I see a window, I jump in and do it. But I failed to gather the right tools ahead of time because I didn't give myself time to do that. What happens in the end is I end up using the tools that I've got and making them work or trying to make them work for tools that I should have collected ahead of time. Don't do that. When you do it that way, you're going to struggle and it's not going to turn out the way you want it. The other thing to consider is getting the right information. Again, how many times don't we jump into a project without taking the time to gather the right info? Preparing. It's all about all of those things. Planning ahead doing the prep work, gathering the right items. If you don't do those things, you're setting yourself up for failure. Another one, energy and persistence conquer all things. You know, there's enough to say about this, but I think I can sum it up quickly with not even a story, but just a gentleman that I know. He's been on the show before, Steve Norris. I worked with him at Repcolite years back. He's in his mid-70s, okay? He's nearly blind. He knows that. It's depressing to him. He, he can no longer see very clearly. I've watched him work on houses that he acquires, and he's inches away from the nail holes that he's trying to fill or whatever. He's got heart problems. And yet the guy has sheetrocked basements over and over. Even in his 70s, he's doing this work. He gets through it by energy and persistence, and he conquers all things. There's no excuse for the rest of us who are fit and healthy, and even for those of us who aren't fit and healthy. All of these projects can be accomplished over time if we just stick to it and dig in and do it. Now, all right, one last one. It has nothing to do with home improvement, but I love the quote. It's this, I guess I don't so much mind being old as I mind being fat and old. I hear what you're saying, Ben. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Now, we've got to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about Thomas Jefferson and decorating. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. Well, happy 4th of July, everybody out there. Hopefully, your day's off to a great start. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And right now, we're going way back in time to an old segment on Thomas Jefferson, interior designer. 
Yeah, Thomas Jefferson was a really intriguing person. We all know that he was the author of the Declaration of Independence. He was our third president. He died on the 4th of July. Maybe you know that he spoke six languages. But things people don't know are that he loved books. When the British attacked the Library of Congress in 1814 and burned all the books, he gave his personal library to refill it. Do you know how many books were in there? I do not know. 6,487. <laughs> That's way more than my 55 Hardy Boy books. <laughs> and it's a way more well-rounded library. I'm sure it it's is. It's good I wasn't the third president of the United <laughs> it's States. It's very or good. Or a president at all. Yes. The other intriguing thing is he was a foodie, one of the first foodies, we'll say. He was... A foodie. Yes. It's a it's a current term. It's okay if you don't understand. Oh, I'm too old to understand. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. he popularized things like French fries, which I know you love. I do. Vanilla ice cream and mac and cheese. Where would we be without these staples? No. He didn't invent them. No, he We're didn't. We're not saying them. that, but he did popularize yeah, them. Yeah, he, he brought, brought them, them back. from other places. Yep. Very cool. Yes. Uh he was also an architect and designer. Mm-hmm. He took over forty years to complete his home Monticello. So he was slow at it. No, no, no. Wait, I found this great quote for him that kind of explains right. why it took so long. Putting up and pulling down is one of my favorite amusements. And he said that in regards to... His home. His home. Yes. I bet his wife loved that. Oh, I'm sure. Finally, the dining room is... Oh, he's at it again. (laughs) My mom did that. That's how Uh she operated. Every time we'd come home from school, at least once a week, the back Mm -hmm. entry was a new color. And there's mom's little paintbrush. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the walls got increasingly smaller because of the layers of paint. But Thomas Jefferson was that. Yeah, he was a visionary. He would have loved Repco Light. He would have absolutely loved... He loved our show. Yes. I wonder if he's listening, wherever he is. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So he was a visionary. He was obviously one of our founding fathers, president, trailblazer. But what people don't know is he was also a very cutting edge interior designer. Which completely catches you off guard. Yeah, it's mind-blowing. The business cards, Thomas Jefferson, third president, visionary, interior designer. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. It is I'd awesome. love a business Collector card of like books. That. Yeah, collector of everything. <laughs> anyway, what Betsy's talking about is that home, Monticello, mm-hmm. that we referenced earlier that took yep. him 40 years to get to the point where he liked it, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that home underwent some restoration projects in 2010. Yeah. And one of the ones, the one that we're most focused on in this segment right mm-hmm. here, was the dining room. Yeah. See, in 1936... Mm-hmm. Other restoration was done. Yeah. And the walls were scraped in the uh, effort to determine what was the original color. What yeah. color did Thomas Jefferson have on the walls originally here? Mm. So they scraped the paint off very, very carefully. And they got to the point where they determined that the base color was this blue color. Mm-hmm. And so the walls were painted in 1936, a color called Wedgwood Blue. Yep. And we have had it that way all the way from 36 to 2010. Yes. And everybody has loved that color. It's on dining rooms all throughout America. It's a beautiful color. Turns out it wasn't the original color. They were wrong. In 2010, <laughs> this project went underway. They did some testing. I think the testing was done in the 90s yeah. using yep. uh, computers mm-hmm. and more, the new technology. more high-end analysis. Mm-hmm. And they determined that rather than the blue, mm-hmm. the original color was a chrome bright yellow. Yeah, and the... The woman that we read about who actually went in and did all of this testing and was kind of on the cutting edge of all of this, she said she was terrified to tell people that this was really the color because people so loved that Wedgwood blue. And what was everyone going to think? They were going to hate her. She didn't know what the reaction was going to be. Yeah. But in the interest of historical accuracy, the repaint went ahead Mm -hmm. and it opened to the public in 2010. And like we said... The dining room was now this brilliant 
chrome yellow. (laughs) A vivid contrast, remarkable contrast to that previous muted blue that we knew as Wedgwood blue. Yeah, so the result of all of this, if you do a side-by-side comparison and actually look at these two rooms with the furnishings in there but the two different colors, it is amazing the difference now yes i love wedgwood blue it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. color and the room was beautiful painted that but when you put that chrome yellow in there it takes it to a whole new level and that room is stunning right and that's the interesting thing the room went from looking really good it was beautiful everybody loved it to something way beyond holy cow yeah the bottom line that we want to talk about on the repcolite home improvement show as we transition now to the actual decorating part of this right the bottom line is that a bold color Mm -hmm. can take a beautiful room and make it stunning now most people out there Mm. have rooms in their home that we would say are beautiful you know it's exactly the way we Mm -hmm. want it yep whatever color is on the wall we decided that's exactly what we love and the tendency is to think that we nailed it you know that room's done we can move on right maybe it's time to take a lesson from a founding father and the guy who brought ice cream, or at least popularized (laughs) ice cream here. Take a lesson from him. Maybe it's time to stretch a little bit. Yeah, maybe it's time to buck the trend and try this yellow. It will brighten everything up in this slightly dull time that we have with the weather outside. So a lot of people are probably sitting there thinking, how on earth do I bring yellow into my decorating? I mean, it's just one of those... Well, you know, just because Thomas Jefferson did it isn't really reason to do it. <laughs> um, in my book, that is okay. a reason to do but it. But there are other reasons. There are other reasons. Yellow is a color that makes us happy. I mean, yeah, there's this, this whole color psychology thing. Yep. And sometimes it feels very, very touchy-feely to me. <laughs> but there is a component of that that's absolutely true. Right. When we're surrounded by yellow, you know, the sun is yellow. The mm-hmm. warmth, it just gives this idea and this feeling, this atmosphere of warmth of spring, of happiness, all of that comes from yellow. Well, it can instantly infuse your space with a feeling of life and of energy. It just gives us that uplifting mood that, that we... we need right now on this 104th day of January. <laughs> longest, longest January ever. Yes. Do you ever remember a January that went this long? No, I am. I, I really am sick of it. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> yes. So the yellow can warm up our moods. It can bump up our spirits a little bit. Right. But It can be a little bit tricky to work with. And that's what we want to wrap up with here today. And the trick to working with yellow Mm -hmm. in your decorating is to use it appropriately and understand what it's doing. You know, understanding yellow, what we mean by that is this. You understand what the undertones do. Now, every color Mm. is the color that you see on the surface. But there are always undertones. You know, colors beneath it that influence it. And what I mm. mean by that is the yellow could lean towards the reds. Yeah, the that red in, undertones. That's a red undertone mm-hmm. and it, it influences it in a certain way, making right. it a little more warm, a little more inviting. Right. That's something, if it's a warmer yellow, that you can use on walls, big pieces of furniture, you can use a lot of that. A yellow with blue undertones makes it a little bit cooler and you want to use that sparingly. Maybe small accessories and maybe really small pieces of furniture, but you don't necessarily want to paint your walls that because it just makes it cold instead of that warm, inviting feel. But even in those little amounts, it's going to do remarkable things in a room. Right. Bright yellows probably keep those out of bedrooms and offices. Yeah. They tend to disrupt sleep mm-hmm. and concentration a little bit, but they're perfect for a dining room. As perfect Jefferson if you wanna, showed us. <laughs> right. Create energy and conversation. Right. It's great. And a buttery yellow, a real pale yellow, things like that, they can work as neutrals. They're beautiful as a neutral because you can put so many other colors with it. Right. If 
if you're nervous, you start with small accents, with vases, picture frames, a bowl full of lemons. It's something mm-hmm. that decorators do all the time to put a little yellow in a room without overpowering a space. Right. Use throw pillows, a bedspread, things like that. Simple things to bring the color in. If you're a little more bold, mm-hmm. you could actually go for an accent wall. Or you can paint a whole room and be Thomas Jefferson bold, which I would like to try sometime, by the right. way. But, but remember... To be Thomas Jefferson Bold doesn't mean that you have to go crazy with this really bright chrome yellow that he no. chose. Even a soft buttery yellow, a barely there yellow, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that what you called it? Yes, I barely there. I feel weird there. saying that. Would you say that part? <laughs> a barely there yellow? Yes, that yellow. It's still <laughs> something that will make a huge impact on a room. Right. So now you might be asking yourself, how do you actually pick the right yellow? It isn't really difficult to get started. Look at magazines, maybe look at clothing, fabrics, things like that. Find the yellows that you're drawn to and start collecting those. Then bring them into the store and we can help you find some color chips that might coordinate with that or um, at least get you started. Right. Finally, use other colors to ground your yellows. Mm -hmm. What we mean by that is gray, for example, is very popular right now. And that looks great. Yep. with yellow accents. Yeah. Natural wood tones can look amazing with buttery yellow walls. Mm-hmm. You know, things like rust reds can be used in your carpets or in rugs more likely right. and furniture to tone down yellow walls. Yeah, it's great because a lot of people already have those grays and those neutral palettes going. So you can just bring in a little bit of that yellow, paint one wall yellow, and you're right on trend with Thomas Jefferson. The bottom line is simply this stretch. Be a little bit creative. I know we live in a conservative area when it comes to color, Mm -hmm. but we can still stretch a little bit. Oh, yeah. Try some new things. Check out our show notes page for this episode. Yeah. And you'll see links to some Pinterest pages that Mm -hmm. Betsy put together that demonstrate all kinds of different rooms making all kinds of use of yellow. There are some very cool things in there. You should go and check it out. And that's going to do it. That's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. Hopefully everybody out there has a great holiday weekend. I want to let you know that the Repco Light stores are all going to be closed on Tuesday, the 4th. So we'll be celebrating with our friends and family. You guys do the same, and we'll all get back together here on the radio next week Saturday. Thanks for listening.